In the name of our crucified and risen Savior. Amen. George Herbert was a 17th century English poet and priest. You know some of his poems because they have become the texts for beloved hymns, five actually in our hymnal. But today I begin not with a poem, but with a few words that he wrote about forgiveness, which is after all what today's gospel is about, as well as that bit from Genesis that we heard. Herbert wrote, those that cannot forgive others break the bridge over which they themselves must pass if they would ever reach God's kingdom. Those that cannot forgive others break the bridge over which they themselves must pass if they would ever reach God's kingdom. Of course, we get a version of this say a version of this whenever we say the Lord's Prayer, even if its familiarity dulls our awareness. For we pray, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Forgiveness is what we are called to. And yet I know that forgiveness is among the most difficult, maybe the most difficult challenge of faith certainly for the one who has been wronged, but also for the one who has caused harm. But let's start with the more obvious. I'm confident that every person in this room, and I can count myself in this number, can come up with the name of someone who has hurt you. Maybe it happened yesterday. Maybe it happened decades ago. Why do you and I remember and can so quickly call that name to mind? Because the recollection of it calls up the experience of being treated unfairly, unjustly. And that rankles and often festers. I can't believe that person did that. And more to the point, I can't believe that person did that to me. Anger persists right below the surface, or maybe not below the surface at all, but right on top. So now that I've stirred up some unpleasant and angering memories, let's flip the script. Though I don't promise the memories will be any more unpleasant. Who here, and again, I'm betting everyone, myself included, who here has done something that you know you should not have done? Hurt someone you should not have hurt. Again, maybe yesterday, maybe decades ago. If it was never resolved, never admitted or forgiven, my hunch is it's right there. And what comes right alongside that? Shame. Maybe as an undercurrent in your life, maybe as a feeling you diligently defend against. But enough about us. Let's look at the Bible. Let's look at the story of Joseph and his brothers. We get just a bit of it. So to recap, Jacob, otherwise known as Israel, the father of the nation, and of the 12 sons after which the tribes of Israel are named, played favorites. 
This is not an unknown story in families. His favorite son was Joseph, the second youngest, and predictably, his older brothers were jealous, so jealous, in fact, that they came to hate him. So one day, when Joseph came happily to meet them out in the wilderness, they took what they saw as their opportunity to be rid of him. First, they threw him down a well and meant to leave him to die. One of them thought better of that, and as a caravan came by, they chose instead to sell him into slavery. But knowing that they would have to explain where he was to their father, they took a piece of the fancy coat his father had given just to Joseph. Some might say that technicolor coat. They tore it, and then they dipped it in goat's blood so that they could go and tell and show Jacob that his beloved son was well and truly gone, having tragically been killed. Should have been the end of the story. Grief-stricken father, guilty, and yet also strangely relieved brothers. However, Joseph ends up a slave in Pharaoh's household in Egypt. Not great, but definitely better than death. Industrious and visionary young man that he is, he manages over the course of some years to move from slavery to being second in command. He is in charge of strategic planning. A great famine comes. Joseph had predicted this, saw it in a dream. And so Egypt stockpiled food and was going to be just fine. Folks in surrounding areas, not so much. Joseph's brothers, sent by their father, go to Egypt in search of some grain to help them and their people get through the famine. Remember, they think Joseph is long gone, maybe dead, and that Egypt is just a prosperous foreign land. Yet they are brought before Joseph and recognize him. They are mortified and terrified. Joseph says, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him. So dismayed were they at his presence. Joseph, for whom all has gone well and more than well, is full of forgiveness. That's the bit of the story we get today. But what struck me in reading this story this time is that the guilty, ashamed brothers are, as I've just read, unable to speak. Shame renders them mute. It's true at the start of the story. It's true almost to its end. Joseph kissed all his brothers and wept upon them. And after that, but only after that, his brothers talked with him. I think that portrayal is pretty accurate. Shame does tend to make us go silent. When we are ashamed, we lose our voice. Sinned against or treated unjustly, we usually complain loudly and bitterly. Even if the offense was years ago, that internal argument with the person who hurt us can still go on. If we are the sinner and behave badly, 
Silence, sometimes accompanied by a cover-up, ensues. So what to do? What to do? Let's skip ahead in the Bible and in history until we come to Jesus. Today, we hear him saying all kinds of things that make sense and all kinds of things that seem impossible. Yes, it's true that it doesn't take much to love or lend to those who love us and will pay us back, but someone takes my coat, give him my shirt too, hit me on one cheek and offer up the other one, love my enemies, Lord's Prayer notwithstanding, that's asking a lot, and it's more than most of us will do or think we can. So let's skip ahead a little further and go all the way to Jesus' death. Death on a cross, crucifixion, one of the most barbaric ways to kill someone, combining physical torture with public humiliation for hours. What do we see there? More to the point, what do we hear? We hear an angry crowd, particularly angry leaders who feel they have been wronged by this man, Jesus, a blasphemer who claimed to forgive sins, something only God can do, a troublemaker who challenged their authority by healing on the Sabbath, a man who disrupted the business of the temple by turning over tables and throwing the money changers out. They feel wronged, mistreated, and they have plenty to say. They jeer, they scoff. And the disciples? Huh. Having sinned, which is to say, having betrayed him, denied him, and abandoned him, they are nowhere to be seen. They have gone underground and gone silent, carrying their shame with them. Jesus, what is he doing? Forgiving those who nailed him to the cross or jeer at him from the anonymity of the crowd. And he promises paradise to a thief who can find his voice and admit his misdeeds. He shows us what being merciful as his father is merciful looks like even in the most extreme of circumstances, even to those who feel they have been wronged. On Good Friday, Jesus' words seem like the height or depth of foolishness, but on Easter Sunday, it will look like the gift and glory of God, a death able to conquer both sin and death itself. And those shamed and silenced disciples will, like Joseph's brothers, be forgiven and find not only their voices, but their vocation, their calling. George Herbert gave us a warning, the ones that cannot forgive others break the bridge over which they themselves must cross if they, were, if they would ever reach God's kingdom. But friends, Jesus is the bridge. Jesus is the bridge, the bridge that cannot be broken even by death, the bridge to forgiveness for those who have been hurt 
and for those who are ashamed of the hurt they have inflicted. Jesus is the bridge to new life and the very same one who carries us over. Amen.